Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. It's the 27th of April 2023. It's Thursday evening and we are warming up for what will be a, some could say season-defining weekend as Celtic take on Rangers in the Scottish Cup semi-final. Um, we'll look ahead to that. We'll look a little bit back at the game from last weekend and we'll touch on some news. Got some uh, great questions as always from uh, listeners and subscribers. Um, Christopher Samani, hello sir, how are you? Uh, I'm alright Christopher, how are you? Good to be here and all that <laughs> Every week um, it's, a, it's a pleasure to see you Chris uh, You're looking uh, looking sharp in a, a nice Nike jumper Yeah, you just sounded as if you didn't mean that there But let's, let's just move on <laughs> I, d- I did mean it uh, Barry Gallagher's also here um, Alan sends his apologies of course as he always does He will be on the lunch club tomorrow uh, with myself and uh, Paul Carlin um, Barry, you're looking terrific, you're looking sharp Thank you very much. Uh, delighted to be here and looking forward to discussing our wonderful football club. Uh, opening question. We'll go straight into it. Uh, what is your favourite uh, Airog Live at the Brazen Head song and why? Shall we start with Christopher Sermani? Whatever one Jota likes. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously we're talking about... Uh, actually, do you know what is your favourite song? From the, um, Do you have one or... No. You used the whole album? <laughs> Yes. Were <laughs> <laughs> you? Yeah. Uh, bring them home. Yeah, very nice. Um, remember when that came out in our school? Oh, it came out and it was going around our school, Chris. Oh, I. I mean, that and the. I always say this. That and the. Remember the Paisley tapes, the prank phone calls. Oh yeah, it was, you, you get handed two tapes with your homework diary, didn't you? <laughs> it was. It was them two. Um, I. Wildfire went around the school. Wildfire, Holyrood Secondary. Representing, actually not. Uh, Barry uh, Jota pictures of him at uh, the Brazen class. Uh, class. Yeah, just when you think you couldn't love him anymore, because um, <coughs> I'd seen a, like, I'd seen a few like tweets about it, and I thought it was a hoax, obviously. But then when you see he's posing for photos, and one of them we were just discussing before we came on air there that he's wearing the the bumbles from nineteen ninety six. So incredible, um, and I also love the fact that he was getting handed. What seemed like a, a brazen head care package with <laughs> one of the, the famous polo shirts with the the tricolours of Italy and Ireland, and also as we mentioned the the greatest CD ever recorded. So I hope you enjoyed that on the way home. Um, you drinking the brazen often, or maybe not so much now, but um, in the past, drinking the brazen a lot. Um, no, I wouldn't say often. I've I've had a few nights in the brazen over the years. Um, always a decent enough night, you know. It's been a while since I've actually been there. Um, but it's a it's kind of an institution now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I used to drink in there quite a lot. My uh, my dad's uncle, my dad's brother, my uncle Frank, he used to live across from uh, from across from it. So we used to go drinking. Um, yeah, it's a great boozer, really. If you've never been, it's worth going for a pint and uh, you're really experiencing the the atmosphere, especially early on a Saturday when the, the buses are all over and there's a big sing song before the game. So uh, yeah, check it out. See, um, see, just before we move on, can you remember the the nightclub that used to be above it? Um, what was it called? Oh, was it called? Was it called Clatty Park? Dutty Nellies. Dutty Nellies. Dutty Nellies. I remember you used to pass that. Like if you were, if you'd been in the pub or else if you were just passing that, and you would see the big queue. Aye, Saturday night, everybody in the hoops. Not many nightclubs you could get in on the hoops. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost a prerequisite to get in. Yes. Um, a big shout out to everyone who came to our live show. Um, we did a live show on Wednesday and we had an absolute blast. Thank you for everyone who took the time to come along, buy tickets. Uh, Barry, enjoy yourself. Yeah, it was great. Um, really good atmosphere. Um, I think it was a sort of kind of 
perfect precursor for the weekend. Um, everyone seemed right up for it, and if we could have similar outcomes um, to the results in those matches, we'll, we'll be delighted. Yeah, absolutely. We talked through the um, two victories in April 2008, um, and uh, yeah, great stuff, great memories, um, plenty more Cynic Live shows uh, on the horizon, so have a look out. Shout out to the Peter Scarf, CFC, um, great guys, uh, great uh, venue, and uh, they gave me a wee badge. Yep, I'll be in there on Sunday. Um, all going well. After? Yeah. Sweet. Um, right, okay, let's get into it. We do have a lot to talk about. Um, and uh, do you know what? I just I didn't want to t- you know, take your temperature at this point. Barry, how are you feeling? Um, the game's on Sunday. We are currently at Thursday. What's your vibe? It's, it's interesting because similar to what we were speaking about last night, see, it seems like there's been a lot of these, this fixture in quick succession. And sometimes you can sort of get... Derby fatigue, it yeah. was a phrase that was kind of coined a few years ago. Um, but I'm feeling fairly confident. I think that there's been a lot of noise from their side and how they're closing the gap, but there's nothing that would stop us just kicking on and really up in our game and putting a few past them. So fingers crossed that's what happens. Um, hopefully that will be a great atmosphere. I know the, the sort of campaign for everyone to be the hoops. Yes. And seeing some of the videos and the pictures of... Round about Martin O'Neill's time, it seemed to be when that was sort of in its pomp, wasn't it? And mm. it just looked great. So hopefully, hopefully the weather will be nice, and um, you're not having to do that thing that was very nineties where you put your hoops over like a hoodie. Remember that? <laughs> I remember. Um, I, I. So no, looking forward to it. I think obviously as we'll talk about, um, there was a wee blip last week in terms of performance and obviously the result, but um, hopefully with some players back, we'll really kick on and um, round off um, a good period in style. Before we move on to Sarmani, have you got your hoops picked out? I'm between two. I was actually discussing this today, so I'm either going to go for the 85, 86 or the 92, 93. Oh, okay. Very old school, very retro. Chris, yourself, how are you feeling? What's your temperature like? What are you after? Um, I think we were saying before we were recording, um, I hadn't really, I wouldn't say I'd given it much thought, but I hadn't really felt either way about the game until this afternoon, stuck in traffic. Um, and I just went, oh, I. <laughs> the game's on Sunday and that you know that nervousness that you get the butterflies in your tummy I got a wee bit of that um, this afternoon um, similar to Barry you know I, I think it's entirely possible that you know we can go out there and put a performance on and kind of underline our um, kind of superiority shall we say I mean but the thing is superiority shows over the course of a season I said it before in a one off game Anything, Anything can happen. Yeah. They their game plan, I think, will be to stop us if they do that successfully. We're not on it. Uh, throw in some controversial refereeing. You know, it, it's, you have to kind of acknowledge that it could happen. Um, so, is fairly confident just now, but you know that feeds into the nerves. So they'll probably build over the next few days. Got your hips line, um, lined up, or do you know? It's very funny. I, I don't actually have hips. I did have the centenary top, but that got. Um, commandeered by my boy, and I don't even know where it is now. So I actually don't have an at hand. Well, I have upstairs uh, an array of different hooped Celtic strips. Uh, you're welcome to to take your pick. Cheers. I was going to say. <laughs> so what you're saying is, Samani hates the Green Brigade. <laughs> <laughs> They'll not tell me what to do. That, see a lot of that on Twitter. That'll going. be quoted on that. Uh, <laughs> that, that mad football website we used to get quoted on. Football Insider, we probably still do. Um, Celtic podcaster. 
what what do you think it is about the Green Brigade that splits opinion? No, I don't think it splits opinion. I think there's a, a minority of people who who dislike them, and again, that's whatever that's fair. But what is it they do? Do you think that antagonises people? Um, it's hard to tell because see a lot of the people who seem to dislike them or dislike the banners or whatever the the noise or the pirates. The very people who rioted at Hamden in the 80s and got alcohol alcohol banned. So, <laughs> thanks very much, guys. But, um, and they're quick to say these tearaways don't represent us. Um, but no, I don't know what it is. I think it's just maybe people are stuck in their ways and they don't like um, a section of supporters being front and centre. Um, I think back to last season, remember, there was the sort of protests against... Um, Bernard Higgins. Mm. Yeah. You no, know, said Bernard Cribbins there. <laughs> <laughs> Ber- Bernard Higgins. Um, and I remember people saying, like, oh, they're not going to sing. Um, that will not stop me from singing. And nobody really sang, did nobody they? Sang, so yeah. it's weird. It kind of seems to be there's like a wee sort of in vogue to, to kind of not like them or the boys. But I don't understand it personally. I think the colour and the atmosphere they brought. And again, mentioned it last night. The atmosphere had kind of got to an all time low, sort of maybe striking second season. And that was when the Green Brigade were formed because they needed an injection of atmosphere. So I can't understand it, but to each their own, as they say. Yeah, uh, Chris? I'd, I mean, even if, right, take away all the, you know, the the work they do, the, you know, the food bank stuff and the, you know, the political stances they're taking, even if you're putting that to one side, just the atmosphere on the, 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 in the match day is absolutely unbelievable. Celtic, you know, we've always been able to create an atmosphere. But only for certain games previously. A lot of run-of-the-mill games were just that, and the atmosphere was flat. So, and I think they were also created in response to that. Was that Jungle Boys thing that was Jungle Boys? There's a banner that was advertising the sun or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. What was that? It was. It was, it was the original Ultras, wasn't it? And it was at the Celtic end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did an advert in the sun. It was a banner, and it had the Jinky, sun. On was it, it not? Was it like a? Might have been a. Sure, it was see the exactly. game that they had. Like a kind of memorial for drinking. It was one of the games that Petrov took the hump. Right? Oh, yeah. uh, that's another story. But uh, the the fans had sort of organised a yeah. banner, and then the sun said, "We'll pay for it." And they were like, "Okay." <laughs> and it had like I'm sure it had in the corner the, the sun, sun or something yeah. like that. Fucking hell! So don't remember that. So I think I might be wrong, but I I think partly it was the Green Brigade was then created again in response to that, and rightly so because they are a organic, you know, ultras group, if you will. I think they're great, you know, them and the boys in terms of what they bring to the stadium, the atmosphere. I think the club and the you know the match day experience, if you will, would be poorer without them. So people are entitled to their opinion, but it's a thumbs up for me. Maybe, <laughs> that, maybe that'll be quoted. There we go. It's a thumbs up, thumbs up. <laughs> You're just going for zingers tonight to get your quote out there, aren't you? Um, I, will, I usually sit at the Lisbon Lions, uh, right up the very, very top. Um, so you can, obviously, that's just round from the Green Brigade, so you can... Can I obviously hear them and they kind of generate that atmosphere that comes around to where I sit. Um, there's a lot of people around me that sing quite a lot. It's pretty good, really good, especially on big derby games because everyone gets really encouraged to sing so um, and chant and stuff. So it's really good. But um, at the weekend, and we'll, we'll talk about the Motherwell game, I was sitting in my brother-in-law's seat and I was down and I was right beside the boys and uh, they just sing all the time. It just really... That's when people, you know, again, teach their own. We're not going to make any judgments on people whether they like these groups or not, but... Just the effort and time they put into it, just fucking knackering. Definitely. Um, it's almost like a full-time job for some of the boys. But, um, I mean, the boys in general and the Green Brigade. Um, 
But yeah, it would be a poor place. And I think the point that Sermani makes, like now every game there's an atmosphere. Um mm. and you actually look forward to that because that's part of the, the sort of match day experience because there was times in the past where you would go to Celtic v Aberdeen and it would be Dead. silent. Yeah. Um and then the reputation kinda of built because of how good it was against Rangers in Europe. But I think now even you see the players, um, they talk about the atmosphere, how it is, and you're sort of running the mill games as well, so more power to them. Um, opening question, uh, based around um, this weekend coming, uh, what does winning on Sunday do for the legacy of Ange Postacoglu at Celtic? Would this season have a tinge of disappointment <coughs> if we didn't win on Sunday? Or are our expectation levels a little over the top? Because we've almost became accustomed to winning trebles. Um, so, man, let's start with yourself. Like, if you know the worst was to happen, you know, on, on Sunday, would how big of a disappointment would that be in regards to Angel's legacy and such? Um, it would it'd be horrible to lose on Sunday, obviously, because one, it's against them, and two, you know, we would have you know a treble absolutely in our sights, given who we're likely to play in the final. So it it would be hugely disappointing and there would be a reaction period of a couple of weeks where you would be um, obviously really down and gutted about it. But, you know, when the season's over and you look back in hindsight, we won the league in general, generally fairly easy fashion. We've proven, um, I think, pretty kind of convincingly that we're the best team in the country. We've proven that, you know... We can we we we're, we've proven that we we'll get better from last year and that there's a kind of improvement. Yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, evolution. That meh, maybe not evolution, but there's a <laughs> there's a there's a developmental path, you know, in terms of building something. You know, for me, the the biggest thing this season was about winning the league because the league's a league, and then that gives you access to the Champions League just now. When it comes to you know from the you know. Working straight in because of, of of the coefficient and and various other things, that's hugely hugely important. Winning trebles, and I've said it before, is it's nice, but the leagues are bread and butter. And what we initially should be aiming for is to become a better team in Europe. And the manager, I believe, will be trying to do that the same. And then you start to get some key acquisitions in the summer. So I want a treble. Of I think course. we all want a treble. I'll be gutted, raging if we don't get a treble. But in terms of the overall legacy of, of the manager, I don't think that that would be fair. I think it would be short-sighted if you started comparing him to other managers who did win a treble. Because if you're looking at the bigger picture, I think in terms of what he's building, his ethos and where we're going, um, he's he's a special manager. So yes, it would, it would be a blip, it would be a blot in the copybook. But in terms of where we're going, I don't think it necessarily would be a problem. But that said... Just one, please. Um, you know, again, <clears throat> uh, we don't want to give Rangers much credit, of course, but they are going to get an in- incredible amount of points. They themselves will get points that a lot of the times we've done the league. My, my point being, you know, you know, if you look at Brendan Rodgers, the Rangers side, he was up. You know, it was muck, yeah, yeah. muck. You know, really pish. This side's very different. So that's my point about how the idea of you know before the Rodgers trebles. You know, it only happened what only Martin O'Neill and Jock Steen. Like, yeah. So, my, my point being, I think a lot, and I fall for this a lot of the time, where I think, you know, we need to win the treble. When in reality, it's like, fucking calm down. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Barry, your thoughts? Yeah, I think it'd be incredibly harsh 
Um, if there was any sort of negativity towards Ange, obviously, um, I think the type of manager he is, he would reflect on what happened if, God forbid, we, we don't win. But in terms of almost like a safety net is like the following week, we've got the right to, we've got the sort of opportunity to put it to bed because we can yeah. clinch the title. So that's comforting in a way, but very much like Sir Manny says, you're desperate for us to, it's almost like, I think Alan maybe said on the pod um, a few weeks ago, every time it comes to one of these games, you're always like sort of make, trying to make deals with God, just give me one more, <laughs> give me one more. And then the next one comes around and it's, we're looking for everything we can get. But no, I think long term, you can tell that Angie's sort of trying to build something far greater than teams that win the trebles. And obviously it's great to win trebles, but if we can make a real impact in Europe, um, it'd be quickly forgotten about. But let's think positively and he will cement himself as in the upper echelons. And just one thing to finish off, one person who'll be delighted if he doesn't win the treble. I think he's been in the, the media this week. That fucking uh, guy. That guy. Mm. That guy who had to get... He'll be in the first... He'll be the... He'll be in the press Monday morning. Uh, it's an elite club. Uh, you can't all be in it. If we do. That guy, man. I suppose what I'll say again on the treble, though, is it's quite insular if you view that as the peak of yeah. what yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we can achieve. And for me, the eyes have got to be on Europe because, well, let's be perfectly honest, right? Our performances in Europe for the last... However many years. How, when's the last time we won a knockout tie? I know, I, I can, uh, Barca in 2004. Yeah, that's the last time we won a knockout tie. That's appalling. Our manager should be looking to remedy that, and I think he will be. That's where we should be looking for me. So as, See, much, as, I, yeah. as much as I want it, we can't view a tr- a, not winning a treble as a failure if we're building towards that, I would say. But I will still say, please win on Sunday. Yeah, um, yeah and we'll, we'll cover the game, and I think we'll all, we're all pretty confident. But... Um, See, in regard to, and I just this is not on the rundown, this is just something I've been thinking about the last couple of days and stuff. Um, see, in regard to moving forward, right, I think the Scottish Cup, I love the Scottish Cup, but I think yeah. we all do, right? You know, the last day of the season, the big showcase of, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the Scottish Cup, Scottish football. Right, in June this year as well, it's added a Yeah, yeah, different dimension. dimension yeah. um, T-shirt weather. <laughs> so I always want Celtic to absolutely challenge for that with the strongest possible team. Okay, and then whatever happens, happens, because that's football, and that's fine. You obviously want to challenge for the league. Well, you're strongest possible team, of course. Would you, as supporters, um, what would you think about the fact that Celtic would could potentially turn around and say, look, the League Cup's important, but we want to use it as a developmental tool, and we're only going to, when it comes to uh, teams you know, taking part in the League Cup, it's going to have a certain... Um, specific we'll play our youngsters <laughs> I had no my mind was like yeah. what is the word um, but yeah essentially we'll, we'll play a younger team we'll play a more dynamic team from the first round right up to the final and it doesn't matter who's in the final do you think that's something Celtic could look at and say this is what we're going to do Barry Barry's desperate go on Barry no I was just thinking because we, we kind of sort of flirted with that idea didn't we under Martin O'Neill um, I remember he remember there was a game away at Hearts and I think we won 5-2 and the likes of Craney, Craney and yeah. Jamie Smith Lynch and, and Lynch, Simon yeah. Lynch yeah. Um, who was it that missed was it Lynch missed the penalty Lister- or was it Maloney that missed the penalty they were arguing Ma- over it weren't they Maloney missed the penalty after Lynch like they both were fighting over it yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's right um, I think that was a different game though I think that might have been the league when the league was won that was um, the league was, was won that actually, was 4-0 yeah. or something Maloney yeah. scored a pizza free kick I remember they were both going for a hat-trick weren't they that's right Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah I think that's right, the right. sort of acid or 
tester example of that was remember Arsenal used to do it mm-hmm. um, in the sort of early 2000s, late 90s. And I think giving the youngsters that opportunity um, because the only opportunity they're sort of getting just now is fleeting appearances off the bench or the B team. And Do you think the supporter would accept it though? I think so. See if we're, I think they're more likely to accept it, see if we've won a treble this year. And then we're obviously straight into the Champions League and then we can sort of take stock and say, right, this is, they would never do it. They would never come out and sort of say, this is our aim for, we're going to try and make an indent in Europe. But I, I think there's plenty to be gained from it because how many, that be what, five trebles in the last eight years or so. Um, and that start that we just said there, what, 19 years, it'll be what the 20th season next season um, since we've done anything in Europe. Um, I think it'd be perfect because the experience those players could get. Can you imagine we had like a League Cup quarterfinal at Tynecastle, um, a packed Tynecastle, and you've got a team full of 18 to 21 year olds? Um, that experience would be unvaluable. And the only thing I would would maybe make me want to sort of change it is if you got all the way to the final and it was against Rangers. Aye, aye. But then you've that's got short sighted, doesn't it? I know. It? Well, that's the thing. What do you think about it, Samani? Because you either have to kind of commit to it or, or don't, essentially. Um, I, I don't think they'll do it, but assuming that. Do you think you know, it would be useful though? Depends on what we've got, youth wise. Now, I suppose it really does depend on. Cause, so, what you're going to do is it going to be a purely youth thing, or are you going to augment it with some fringe players from the first team? Yep. You know, you would need to have a decent enough crop of youngsters. Otherwise, you're basically just saying we've got no intention of trying to win this. Now, you even then you would assume if you had youngsters it would still be difficult to win. So what, what you're really saying when you do that is it's not a priority. We don't we almost don't care if we don't win it. Personally, I don't think I'd have a much much of a problem with that. It goes back to the point I make about, you know, trebles and things like that and they're nice and the real aims of what you're doing. But yeah, in, in terms of what the the, the, the main aims that are, are going forward, then the League Cup doesn't necessarily need to be a priority. But I don't know. It's it's. I know, I know, I know. It's, it, not, it's not an easy. Decision. And especially if they're in it, you're exactly right, Barry. I mean, you, you need to go into it. If they were playing their full strength team and you were putting out, you know, kids, I don't think that would happen. The only the sort of other negative point about it would be, you're really hoping for it to have an impact. It would have a prolonged run in the cup. And there's no guarantees, so you no. can do that, and then you're out in the first round. You're like, what did that achieve? It's, That's true. Yeah. It's probably given them. Set their development back because they've lost and it was a big opportunity. So I think Samani's right. It would have to be a blend of you would maybe keep one one or two regular first teamers in, then the fringe players and then maybe four or five youngsters. But I, I would have no problem with it because I think all eyes after this season turn to Europe. Absolutely. Um, let's kind of look back before we look forward. Um, Celtic at the weekend drew one each with Motherwell. Um, we had a, a deflected shot from Cal McGregor and uh, Van Veen scored, I have to say, quite a, quite a good goal. Um, Greg Taylor was all at sea, um, but good. Oh, so, man, he's no, he's no impressed. Um, What's your thoughts on the game, Chris? Um, pr- probably a bit easier to say this after Sunday. Uh, just one of those, one of those games. Um, <laughs> They were they had they've got that much credit in the bank. I don't think that you can give them too hard a time. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what the issue was. You know, was it complacency? Was it lethargy? What you know, what was it? I mean, I suppose it is difficult to 
keep that momentum going for that length of time. And mentally, especially when you go, I mean, at that point, we were 12 points clear, obviously, but when the league's essentially won, um, it's, it, you know, I suppose it can be difficult to get going. And obviously, Motherwell had a good game plan. They set up well, a bit of gamesmanship that didn't go down very well with uh, a lot of the support. You know, you get games like that quite often. That was normally, that was generally the norm. It's just that we've not had them. That now that it's happened, people, it's almost like, and it might have been Alan that said this or Kieran on the agenda, people don't know how to react <laughs> because yeah, it's sure. so rare. And I can understand that. And again, Spoilers, if you don't know, them losing the next day at Pataudry probably allowed some folk that were maybe overreacting to kind of put things into perspective and understand that that was the case, you know. But I think that was that that, that was the way overall. You know, people have got that in their mind about going for records and things like this. And again, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I'm never too worried about that. It's more about the direction I travel with the club, etc., you know, but that some people might view that as as a game where we could have racked up some goals and got closer to, to to breaking some records and things like that. But the consistency and the effort that it must, you know, the players have put in over the course of this season, it's understandable. Yeah, you know, not you know, we're not withstanding that. You know, when you actually want to kind of analyse or look at the performance, it's pretty crap. Um, you know, yeah. even though even even still at that, we had enough chances to win the game, but. Yeah, it wasn't great. And the one thing that you will say is you'd rather not have had that the week before playing them. Um, I would I would maybe disagree with yeah, that. That's what I, was say I, I would say having that, getting that out of your system the week before them might actually help us because I think Ange can look at it and say, you can't let that happen again. Well, you could look at it that way or you, you could look at it the way that you want to be purring. Yeah, yeah. Or not yeah, purring. No. Yeah. What's your thoughts? Different strokes. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll go fuck myself, it's fine. <laughs> Much the same as Sir Mary, I think. Looking back in hindsight, it did seem like one of those days because even before they scored, we weren't playing particularly well. Yeah, That was just as soon as they scored, you were thinking, oh God, it could be one of those days. But I think the point that Sir Mary made about... Because I was one of those people, I wanted to have 100% home record this year because I can't remember that happening before in my lifetime. Um, and also the goals tally. But the point you made about it doesn't bother you much because of the trajectory of the team. Yeah. When you think back to, see when we were on that invincible streak uh, under Rodgers, when we went to, was it 67, 68 games or something? Mm. Towards the end of that, we were sort of very desperate not to lose. And it, yeah. And, and it felt, probably not at the time, but looking back, it did seem like that team had peaked because although they did go into one other trebles, it was never the same as that first yeah. season. Whereas it's completely different under Ange. You can see that we're building, we're getting stronger. People don't want to talk about the second season under Rodgers, which no. You no. Know, wasn't particularly good. Whereas I mean, this it's season... It's silly to say that because we won a treble, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, the points total and the draws and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think... Phoned it in a bit. Uh, you can see that this Ange team is getting stronger. And what I will say as well, we've kind of lauded the, the strength of the squad and... And it's probably simplistic to say, but there's no one really who can replace what Rio Hatati does for us. And I think we have, we've done well. If you think to that, the Comarnock game a couple of weekends ago, um, the first half was brilliant, but the performance in the second half and then pouring into the game at the weekend is a wee bit of a worry, but I'm the same as you, Gal. I think that it's better to get out there and you know that Ange, Ange is a perfectionist. There have been games where we've won and he's not been happy, so you can... 
can bet your bottom dollar that he'll be have everybody sort of looking, reflecting why that performance was there and then how do we rectify it at the weekend? I think what's one thing it's always important to bear in mind is if O had taken his chance or somebody else had taken his chance, we wouldn't be talking about this. We would be saying, uh, you just won it. It wasn't great, but another win. Yeah. But, you know, other games that have been close, the Hibs game at home, you know, obviously we're all scored and, and, and we won late. And you can probably pick other examples out yourself. Sometimes it's maybe important to pay a wee bit more attention to those games in terms of where, at what points and where over the season have we not been good in terms of thinking what you're going to do next season. Because you could easily look at this team, especially if you're kind of content with your pile just now being top in Scotland and say, there's not really much that team needs, you know. The manager won't be doing that and the support shouldn't be doing that. It should be identifying areas, even just now if they're strong, can they get stronger? And in games like this, okay, we dropped the points, but there's other games as well where you're thinking, well, what didn't work there? You know, Kieran and and Alan, again, were talking about playing out from the back, you know, and how that helps us build it up. And we've seen the role Kobayashi played against Kilmarnock doing that. That's a big decision to make, you know. As are some of these games a bit stickier than others because the other team, the opposition team, set up knowing that that's a wee bit of a weakness. You know, it's all things like this. You know, you focus in on the results and the games that we lose, but there's other performances as well that you can maybe analyse and see if there's a pattern there and where we can develop. So we shouldn't react too much to that. We should, you know, we should react to the performances a wee bit more. It's hard to do, as opposed to the results on some occasions, and then kind of see where we're going to go next. But the crucial thing for me is. The manager will be doing that, Aye. and that—that's the main thing. Yeah, um, I mean, see, the, the the important thing for me, I think, is just yeah, learning from it. Um, I do think it's weird how we react to results now, in regards to if a result doesn't go our way. Um, I, I, I wouldn't criticize anyone for any reaction they have. You see, you're you're entitled. Celtic. I've always said Celtic is like you know, like a deity. You know, people. People uh, worship whatever way they want to worship. I'm not going to criticise for anyone for doing that. So, um, but it is kind of when you look through social media that some of the reactions were fucking wild. Like people yeah. burn it all down, sort of thing. And then there was other reactions from people saying it doesn't matter. And I think we all kind of probably sort of fall somewhere in the middle. It does matter, but it's not the end of the world. Um, and I just think you know. <laughs> Is, is that a kind of valid point about how we react to these games just because of the success we've had under Ange and just how jarring it is when we don't... It's not even necessarily win, it's just how we, when we perform poorly. Yeah, I think so. And I think when you get to this stage in the season, everybody, we all do it. We look at the points total, what can, what's the maximum we can get, what's the, the maximum they can get, and you just want it done as soon as possible. So I think that maybe clouded people's judgment a wee bit um, because you're thinking, oh, we could have won at this game, but now we can't. But obviously things flip on their head, what, 12 hours later or whatever, uh, just over 12 hours. And it's I, it's it's crazy. I think that it's a relatively new phenomenon. Like under Martin O'Neill, we, get, we did get a lot of points, but that was a, a really strong Rangers team he was up against as well. And then we didn't really have that kind of consistency, um, as in maybe three or four games you don't win the whole season. Rodgers brought that in and then... And after a sticky start last year, he's almost been perfect in terms mm-hmm. of results. So I think because recency bias, because you think we're winning every week, we're winning comfortable every week, 
as Amani mentioned, the points total that people are getting their eye on. Can we get the best ever? Can we get the, the record goals? So I think it, the point you make about Celtic, it's just all consuming, isn't it? It's all we ever think about and some people just don't know how to channel the, yeah. the decisions. I mean, it's like, <clears throat> obviously the, the World Snooker Championships are on just now, you know. Celtic was a snooker player, it would be like, you know, he's the last red or whatever going for a one four seven, and it rattles in and out the pocket and goes out and crew of the shite <laughs> you're a fucking joke you know <laughs> it, it, it's it's like that when you're performing at such a high level you know the margins for error are, are so slim for some people but in reality the margins for error are a lot bigger than we've had to use because of how far ahead we are Exactly. And that's the bottom line, yeah. Um, Alistair um, messaged in and said, um, I actually thought the performance versus Motherwell was okay. Their goal was an outlier domestically. 99% of the time, the Diddy teams can't convert breakaways like that. But maybe it showed uh, a weakness of the system or the players within the system that would be exploited by European-level opposition. Barry, thoughts on that? It was a very Celtic in Europe goal to concede, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. It had that sort of blueprint. Um, but, yeah, I think... I think he is. He's a fairly decent player, isn't he? He's got a really good. Is it I didn't realise he's thirty-one though. I didn't realise that either. But he's got he's got a good record, and I think as soon as uh, as soon as Taylor was sort of backtracking like that, and he get turned inside side out, you do feel the worst because it reminded me of what was the goal down that side? Bodo Glimt, one of the goals like that. Yeah, right. um, and obviously it's not the same level as that but it, is a it, was a bit, it was a bit last lawns as well for Bordeaux yeah we've well, seen it many times the only thing that was missing was like a a Europop uh, goal music and I'm doing a sort of <laughs> cartwheel <laughs> but nice if he fell as well you know <laughs> that, that was the only thing that was missing yeah. um, but no it is a warning because it shows that we, we do have issues that we need to, to tighten up and I know that Taylor Taylor's been exceptional this season Um but the point that Samani made, like we have to really sort of hone in on the squad and see even a really star performance, can we improve upon them? And that's not to say we get rid of Greg Taylor. Um but it's a word a sort of word of warning that teams can get at us if we're not our best, so we need to tighten up. Um let me ask you this, Chris. Hmm? I think Hart should have done better for the goal. Oh, yeah. is, is that just, you know? Um I, I, I think that the fault lies elsewhere, you know. Uh, there's a lot of that, though, where you don't blame, you, you kind of let Hart off when, even, you know, there's an idea that he could have maybe made, you know, a, a better attempt at saving it. I think we've all decided that, we've decided that so it's going to happen, obviously, that we probably need to upgrade in Hart. But fundamentally, how we found ourselves in that position and then Taylor's kind of wacky races attempt at kind of blocking it was the real issue. So, you can bring heart, that, heart into that if you want to, but I think fundamentally um, that's where the, the issue was. I mean, on Van Veen as well, it's interesting because I think it says a lot about the manager and where we are. See if we had Stratton or Lennon or even Rogers, you know, the last any managers we've had. I think the support in the club would be linked with a guy like Van Veen. <laughs> we would say... He'd do a job for us, you know, I'm not saying that he starts for us, but he'd be a good squad player. I, I don't think like that, and I don't think a lot of the support think 100% like that. 100% he ends up at them. Well, potentially, right? And But at one point it would be, right. he would be the sort of guy who you would go, he's going to go to us or them because of the goals he scored and because he's got, a, you know, a decent set of attributes about him. 
I, I just it wouldn't enter my head now. No, no. To you know, it's obviously entered my head to say that I don't think we should do it. But you know, thinking about that idea, SPL level players, seeing less they're young and they're an exceptional level, you know. We don't seem to be looking at that. We're obviously looking at different markets, and I think that's a step change, and I think the manager's brought that in, you know. But I will say this, Van Veen, I, I think he's he's a good player. I, I really do. Um, to score the goals that he scored um, there is, is, is terrific. I so, thought that finish was great. Yeah, It was. It, it, it really was. He took it really well. Um, so, no fair play. I, I think, has he not got like a nickname of the, what is it, the Bargain Bear Camp or something like that? But <laughs> It's funny, we've got a kind of a group of, uh, a kind of joke in my group of pals that um, one of my pals' dad would always say that we should go after a player who's done well against us. Like, um, who was the, who's the Scotland striker that used to terrorise Julian? London Dykes. London Dykes. Dykes. And he would always say, go and get that big, don't leave Livingston without bringing him back. I'm like, there's transfer windows. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, it is, it's refreshing actually that there has been no links with players like that. But see, just the point about him going to Rangers, you can imagine them trying to get him and Duke from Aberdeen, can't you, to try and weaken the, the rest of the league? Aye. He's, he's another player that's looked good, hasn't he? Yeah. He is, he is a good player. Um, Mm, interesting um, but I, I genuinely I don't think Duke will go to Rangers but I do think Van Veen I think he's perfect for them in regards to the level that they're shopping in you know the fact he's not got a long contract he knows the league I think he's a pretty easy sell for them in a lot of ways he's Dutch they seem to like the, the Dutchman that's it I, I was inferring yeah. Barry um, <laughs> we have the the fixtures have been released um just uh, a couple of points on that, that, you know, it seems to be the league will screen five end of season games on television as Sky. We're again accused of selling our game short. Um, the broadcasters will only have sell, um, shown 42 matches uh, as opposed to the, the 48 uh, that they are allowed to, which is just fucking pathetic. Is that like Giants won't screen the relegation battle with four clubs in the drop and at Edinburgh Derby uh, for the crucial race for Europe? Class between Hearts and Aberdeen at Tynecastle. Meanwhile, because Hearts have already used up their quota of five home games being allowed to be broadcast, their clash with Aberdeen won't be on TV. One of the biggest games of the season. Uh, and neither will the Capital showdown against Tibbs. The threshold was almost crossed by the bizarre decision to screen their game with Ross County at the weekend and it will have been passed by the choice to make Celtic coming. Excuse me. Um... Uh, one of the first post-match splits games um, Ange was quoted as saying it's always a bit of a challenge I guess for those doing it I would like to have had at least one home game in, in front of our fans because it means again our supporters won't see us for three weeks so it would have been nice but ultimately it is what it is um, it's always a challenge at Tynecastle and it will be a good place to win because we're having to earn it to do it um, they just don't want to celebrate it appears uh, they don't want to celebrate at home they don't want to celebrate against Rangers they don't want to celebrate in at all, um, it's fucking bizarre, Chris. I, I mean, the post, the post split fixtures generally seem to be about when we don't play them, and uh, you know, fixture times that you know around the potential thought of trouble or anything like that. It's it's a nonsense to be perfectly honest. Some people talk about the split as if it's a good, bad, or a good or a bad thing. I mean, in theory, I suppose. I can understand what they're trying to do in terms of the quality in, in, in the last six games. I just think it's a pain in the arse, to be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, you end up, you, we've had it in the past, you can, in theory you can have a seventh place club finishing, you know, 
with more points than the, the, the teams in sixth place, which is, is daft. You know, you're not getting an equal amount of home and away games and things like that. And and then it's obviously just rigged so that there is no way that we are going to then have the, the potential to win the league um, at, at Ibrox, unless we don't win at Tynecastle. Um, so I it just it just bursts my nut. And then it's all done in conjunction with Sky, a, you know, a, a broadcaster that has got no interest in showing. Anything. Anything. And to be honest, I mean, as Celtic fans, we're obviously well catered for by Sky in terms of the away games and things like that. But see if you're a fan of a club in the bottom six and they're not showing any of the relegation games, that's pish. Aye. It really, really is. Um, there's, there's some really good stuff happening in, from a relegation point of view. There's good stuff happening for the to kind of get to get into Europe. This is one season where there's a lot of stuff happening out with. We've already won the league. Um, you know, I'm not again like. Of course, you're selfish and you want Celtic to get the best, but also yeah. you kind of have to be like, well, it just makes this game look daft, Barry. Definitely, and I think firstly to kind of look at our from our point of view, I think we're in a unique position that you know that one more win would secure the title. So any other league in the world, I think, would want to give us a home game to kind of the spectacle of <laughs> um, the sort of fanfare and the ticker tape, whatever you want to call it. And they choose not to. And then the point about the the other teams in the league, was it not the Sky kind of said that they were no longer to, uh, allowed to do the sort of pay-per-view for the majority of their games or something? There was yeah. a, a limit on it. And then if you think of these teams who have supporters abroad and stuff like that, obviously there's ways and means, wink, wink. I've seen the games, but it does really sell, sell the league short and it makes a mockery of the deal, I think. Obviously BT never coughed up the the cash before, but see when we had both of them sort of vying for games and they'll get it made for a, a better spectacle. But yeah, I think I don't think there's many teams who are happy with the fixtures and the way that no. they're falling and only in Scotland could they upset every team. Um yeah. Um looking ahead uh, as we, we should say that for the Celtic Motherwell game, we had reactions straight after it. Uh, we discussed it on the agenda and then we had a full tactical review breakdown of that game as well. We do that for every single game. If you want to um, get involved, you can subscribe at thecynic.co um, or you can drop us an email, Ed, at the Cynic, and we can explain the process and, and what we offer. Daily Celtic podcasts, um, features, news, uh, tactical breakdowns, uh, discussion points. Um, Celtic in your podcast feed every single day. Um, what's not I love? Uh, cynic.co. Check it out. Um, let's build up. Let's build up to the game on Sunday. Let's let's have a chat about it. Uh, Kyogo Ferehashi could become the first Celtic player to score four consecutive games against Rangers since John Collins. Well, play it pleasant. Uh, 1994, uh, should they net in Sunday's Scottish Cup. There's a lot of players who scored in three consecutive. Larson, Hartson, um, Dembele. Dembele. Um, so it's quite a high-end, really high-end in regards to the quality of the players. Um, what's your thoughts on that in regards to consistency against scoring against Rangers? Is it something that you, Barry, demand of your striker, or is it just the offshoot of good football play? I think I don't think it's unreasonable to say you can demand it or maybe expect it, but I was surprised to read that no one had done it since John Collins. Um, lots of free kicks, lots of free kicks from Collins. Yeah, aye, mm. brilliant. Um, but it just shows you how difficult it is to do when some of our greatest strikers, um, Larson, great, one of the greatest strikers ever, and then fairly high standard ones um, since so 
I, I, I think we've said it in pause before, the, the way Kyogo's sort of burst into life this calendar year against Rangers and the fixture's been a joy to watch because there was that sort of question marks whether he could do it against them, obviously after a disappointing campaign um, in the Champions League for him personally. But he just seems to have... I think, Samani, you made the point a few weeks ago, that goal did win... The goal at Ibrox did, uh, did wonders for him. Mm. And now he just looks like he was born to play in these games. Um Obviously, both goals were very good the last time, but I think that first goal was one an iconic goal that you'll see for years. That we drag to set himself um, to shoot um, was perfect, and you can just see now that he's sort of grown um, stature, stature in terms of um, sort of mentality as well, because he looks right up for it. So mm. I'd love for him to do it, um, and I don't see why he can, why not. Basically, what do you think this does from see the fact that like? Um he scored, this could potentially score in four consecutive games, he scored in a cup final against them, um, he's you know really shown that not only is he scoring goals, he's scoring good goals, as Barry's just going to think, what do you think that does for his status in this game in regards to how Rangers will play against them, do you think they'll be, do you think him performing like that really does add an extra edge of, of worry and maybe give us an extra little yard or two of space because they'll be worried about him? Yeah, I mean, I think his movement would have always worried him, but the fact that he scored five goals in three games against them will probably mean that they'll give him extra attention. The problem with Kyogo for them is that he's, he's he's really difficult to mark. We've talked about this in the past. If there is one aspect of Kyogo's game that is world-class, it's his movement, and it really is. You know, he's, it must be a nightmare to kind of keep tabs on him. Um, and in terms of what that's done for him, I mean... Frankly, we've said it on here before, I judge your strikers in games in Europe and games against them. Yeah. You know, now sheer numbers obviously helps as well. But um, fundamentally, um, this season, from the turn of the year, to be perfectly honest, and again, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but we, when there was a discussion that it wasn't out, it wasn't out of this world when we were asking the question whether it should be Giacomacchus or Kyogo that was starting... That speaks volumes about how far up his levels have gone yeah. again. And now he genuinely looks like that sort of superstar. And I think scoring against Rangers would do wonders for him too, just in terms of that stature, that level that we're talking yeah. about. So um, I think it's that, that equaliser at Ibrox was huge for us, huge for him at the time, and then it's, it's just been non-stop since. See, one thing I would say is, <clears throat> excuse me, is that what we've yet to kind of see from Kyogo and one of his strengths is that running in behind, isn't it? And we've yet to kind of see that against him. And that's something that I would love to see. Big um, pitch, Barry. Big pitch, big Hamden. Pitch. Yeah, because if you think... Stretch them. Stretch them. He is. The, the goals that he scored in the final were both in the six-yard box, but he is very capable in there. But I'd love yeah. to see him running in behind. Um, much like um, Dyson had the opportunity at Irox, I'd love to really get Kyogo, spring him one-on-one -on -one and see what happens. And be interesting to see if they risk Goldson. Um, mm. Because, again, I think you can get joy out of him, but I would actually rather that he, he wasn't playing because of that big dafty suitor. Yeah, we'll, we'll look at <laughs> um, we'll look at uh, maybe pick teams in, uh, a little bit later on. But I uh, got a question from Kenny. Um, Hello, Kenny. Hello, Kenny. Uh, have the guys got any recommendations for an efficient, safe route to Hamden from the city centre and any good pubs to stop off on the way that will serve early-ish beers 
Also, is it okay to wear a hoodie? This is what you guys mentioned. Hoodie under the hoops. <laughs> <laughs> is it okay to wear a hoodie under the hoops? As the weather looks shy, asking for a friend. One in the 90s. Um, yeah, I would say it is. If, you know, because apparently it looks like it's going to rain. Yeah. So, um, yeah, keep yourself safe and warm, everyone. Be safe. Um, recommendations of pubs. Vicky Bar's pretty good. Queen's Park Cafe. If you're going that way, you've got Neeson's, you've got Vicky Bar, Queen's Park Cafe, as you said. Um, we don't actually call it the cafe because uh, when you said that I was like oh shit there's <laughs> <laughs> uh, always, always Herities and um, Potshaw's Road Herities around that way aye, so. where I always tend to go and again um, I might be down Sunday is the 100 Acres the Acres aye. or the Acres aye. So, but, uh, you don't, you don't call it you don't call it the 100 you just, just call the Acres, acres mate, okay just the Acres drop the 100 <laughs> um, so that's where I've been the last few times um, so looking forward isn't to that isn't it Sunday. stout though isn't it like really busy well I've been there for opening time Um <laughs> I believe it opens at 11am um, So see if I go there And Kenny gets in And I'm We'll maybe edit this Kenny! bit out <laughs> you've got The it. man with the hoodie With the hoops over it <laughs> You've got the beach hood But that will be stowed And then you're further up You've got the international bar um, Oh I've, yeah, I've never drank in there Like I've drank in there A number of times But never on like Match day or anything mm. or. What's the other one? Um, gone now The Meyer. Oh, no the other one there. Near the beach hood But I think it's The Montford The Montford But I believe that might Cater for them uh, it's and fairly mixed games. Aye but it's obviously at the Celtic end So yeah. you would safely be able to get a beer in the Montford But that's Celtic Beachwood's always had a, a, a Rep as a Celtic pub The Montford was a bit more mixed but Was the Beachwood Was it uh, Dalgleish's Dalgleish's missus family owned that Or she worked on it or something like that Years going back sure Mar- What was her name Marina Dalgleish Marina yeah Marina I'm Dalgleish, sure she worked yeah. behind the bar in there um, um, I I watched a lot of the away Seville games in the Beachwood. Me and my sister and Bowd and Marcus and stuff. Um, but I don't know what it's. I've not been in in quite a while. I think sure. see just in terms of the, the acres as it's now known. Um, <laughs> or it's been known for years. But um, <laughs> I think the Beachwood. Be- I think see because the acres is a wee bit of walking that sort of keeps the crowd down a wee bit. So and I've got a nice beer garden as well. So it's a few more pubs if you're going further back into Ramadan as well. Um, so I just anyway, uh, I, we're just going to name every booze um, five miles at Hampton. Uh, just uh, in regarding getting a train, probably what do you think would be the safest route from town? Well, I imagine if you were getting a train, they'll separate, and obviously the sailing like end that would, would get in Mount Florida. Take, no, would, the Kings Park, I think that they would get Kings shipped to Mount Florida. Don't go there, Kenny. I don't go there, Florida. Aye, um, aye, cool, Kenny. Um, hopefully, uh, you have a great day, and uh, hope you can walk for the brazen. Down Paul get Shaw's Jota, Road. Get Jota along. <laughs> get Jota along. Uh, sorry, down and get down Vicky Road. Sorry, and then so walk from town from Central. To, yeah, you could. Aye. Brazen, and then you could go oh, down. You far. could go Neeson's Vicky Bar, Queen's Park Cafe, cafe as you call it. <laughs> and then yeah, you could walk around there. Then the only thing is you're kind of limited now, aren't you? With the you know, the well, you are when you're coming round. If you go down Hickney Head Road, oh, if you go yeah, well, if you go down Hickney Head Road. And then this makes great listening. If <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got any uh, other questions about, uh, there's people Sunday? from the south side who live in like America or Canada. Now they'll be fucking misty eyed yeah. thinking of all of these pubs. Um, yeah, great stuff. Um, the game itself, uh, as we we've mentioned, you know our our, our thoughts. Um, just some quotes from Ange Postecoglou on the squad. Um, obviously, there'll be a press conference tomorrow. Uh, we will be doing a. They'll have. We'll have the lunch club uh, on Friday. Myself, Alan, 
and Paul Carlin and then on Saturday we'll have a preview of the game as well so we'll do we'll break down the um, press conference and just thoughts we'll have a tactical breakdown of how Rangers will play and how we can beat them and uh, yeah so lots and lots of coverage coming up at the cynic.co here's what Ange had to say um, we'll see how they go uh, this is discussing the injured players we'll see how they go Abada, Jota and Rio are the main three they're due to train all week so it's just we'll come to see how they are during the training week if they get through the training week they will be available everyone got go, got through the weekend okay it's only really James Forrest who probably won't be able to be available come the semi-final it's going to be a really good game with every <laughs> um, with everything on it with both teams knowing the consequences of not being successful on the day so we'll have everything that we'd normally expect from a cup semi-final and it's one that we are looking forward to at this time of the year they're all big games and they're games you want to be involved in rather than sitting at home watching them so I'm looking forward to it uh, Abada Jota Rio Barry what's your thoughts on you know Jota and Rio um, Abada performs really well against Rangers so it would be ideal to have him available but the main two you're looking at is Jota and Rio yeah um, and I think because as we said right at the top of the show it almost seems season defining this game and I would be tempted to fuck it. I would risk both of them if they're eighty nine percent fit. I would have them starting. But eighty eight, mate. Well, with eight, a five percent variant. Eighteen eighty eight when Celtic was formed. Nineteen eighty eight, Arsenal when when they won the double. If they're eighty eight percent, they have to play. Yeah, um, I just think because it's so important. Um, and if we get through this, again, no disrespect to our potential opponents in the final. Um, uh, the semi, other semi-finals, Inverness and... Falkirk, Saturday. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think because of what both of them give us, what they've done in these fixtures, um, it's worth the risk. And Do you think so? I think so. With both of them? I can understand risking one of them just because if you don't want to have to make two substitutions uh, in the first forty-five minutes. Thinking logically, you're probably right, but I think because if I had to pick one, it would be real. I think it would be Hatati because of how much he transforms our side. Again. But we've also got the issue where it's made in one other, isn't it? And Haxabanovich mm. hasn't set the header alight with his starting performances. Um, that's not to say he won't have his part to play on Sunday from the bench, but Jota and the goal-scoring form he is, he's in as well. Um, I think see if you could get 60, 65 minutes out of both of them, I think it's worth the risk. And as you say, it might be that then you're two subs down, but with the strength we have on the bench, um, I think I think you've got to go for it, roll the dice. Chris, your thoughts? Um, it's a tough one. Seeing midfield, I suppose, Iwata more recently has kind of eased the nerves a wee bit about Hitati. Now, I'm desperate to see Iwata, Hitati and McGregor. So I would be I'd be tempted to start a, a Hitati, but I would also be pretty pleased if you were bringing him on with half an hour to go, even that's if that's true. to just to stretch their legs or and, you know defend a lead, or if you had to make something happen. So if they're involved, I'm pretty happy. On the right, I would tend to agree more. Haxabanovich, you know, on the right, just has not... It's not worked at all, has it? It's no. not worked. It's not worked. I mean, he's he's not thrown in absolute stinkers. He's just not been effective, really, shall we say. So What I would say, sorry, jumping on that, I would say against Motherwell, he did provide... Some good crosses. Some really 
Guilty mm. chances that Maeda missed one and obviously um, a couple other ones. But you're, I, I agree with that. Sorry. Sorry for tripping. So see on the right, I mean, that's obviously a question about what we do going forward. Do we strengthen there? You know, we've talked, I think it was Jubari a few weeks ago. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Sorry about that. Some sort of, was that TikTok? I'd, no, I'd, I think it was Instagram maybe. Don't know. <laughs> How rude. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I think you said that a few weeks ago. I think this this team would be really strengthened by a right sided, uh, a left footed player on the right sort yeah. of thing. And I, tend, I totally agree with that. But for me, I, I would really like to start somebody who's more natural on the right, and I, and I include Jota in that because we know that he's capable of performing there. Yeah, a bad as I'm not his biggest fan, but even that, you know, his record against Rangers, I would be a wee bit more comfortable with that um, being an option for us. So. I would probably risk Jota before I would risk Hitati, even though I think Hitati's more important and I'd like to see him back because of how we're a wee bit kind of we're a wee bit light out there Maybe as opposed the to the middle. The team kind of yeah. thing as well, yeah. Um, Ian, Ian asked a question and, and I know we've kind of covered it, but I'll bring it back in. Our midfield feels like it goes down a few levels when Hitati isn't playing. If he's fit, would you risk starting him, uh, even though he might be rusty? Or do you think a midfield has enough to get the job done without him? So you've just said, obviously, um, that Jota yeah. is probably... Yeah, good points. I was going to say, I think one thing that's maybe spooked a few people with risking players or throwing them back too early is the Aaron Moy performance against Rangers at Celtic Park. Yeah, um, Great point, Barry. But So I think that is a very, that's a valid way of looking at it, but it's not to say that that's what would happen if you throw someone Absolutely. In. Because if you look at Kyogo, Kyogo will... One is that League Cup last season, and then I think it was a very a couple of games later he was out for a long period of time. And obviously we hope that doesn't happen to our players, but I don't think you can be put off because Aaron Moy had a, had a shocker against him because he's an older player. Um, it tends to take him a bit of time to get up to yeah, speed yeah. as well, whereas the likes of Jota and Hatati, as we're mentioning here, I don't think we can be put off for the fact that it didn't work with Aaron Moy. Um, to- I totally agree with that. I think that's clouding people's judgment. Um, so, yeah, that was all. Uh, just a, a quick one from uh, Robert. Uh, was having a think after being at Hamden last weekend, and despite a cracking week for the most part, weather-wise, I'm extremely worried about the state of the Hamden pitch on Sunday. Two semis last weekend and a couple of agricultural sides lumping it on on Saturday doesn't fill me with confidence. It'll be a particularly slick surface for us to play on. Obviously, we won't change how we play, but is there anything we should be doing, in your opinion, to deal with this? Or are the stars aligned for a last-minute all-winner? Um, it's a great point. You know, this is something, when you're the second semi-final, the, the ground seems to be kind of cut up quite a bit. And obviously, there was the two women's semi-finals last week. Um, does the pitch worry you, Barry? It does because notoriously it's never a particularly great pitch and as you say, weather today hasn't been particularly good so things like that um, and I don't think it is to be particularly good for the weekend. Um, I like the point about a couple of agricultural sides. I'm hoping that they just keep the ball in the air <laughs> so, that, um, so that they don't uh, damage the pitch too much but it's always a worry. I think the worst I've seen it in recent times was that oh, kind of horrible Saturday night in January, the Kilmarnock semi in the League Cup yeah it was horrendous that day so hopefully to kind of count on what I said there the weather has been fairly decent leading up to today so yeah we've just kind of kind of got to do our best and I think we've we've performed well on poorer pitches (coughs) Um, we've kind of broken the the sort of hoodoo on the plastic pitch under and so this team just kind of answers all the, the questions that are fired at it so 
it might be a bit of a leveller in terms of how they play against us, but I don't think it will it will stop us too badly. Chris, yeah, I mean. I think the, the the key point here is the weather hasn't been too bad recently. I mean, that semi in January was off the back of just a horrendous period of weather where the pitch was cut up. I mean, it's not ideal um, with the amount of games that's been played on it, you know, and, and we are obviously the fourth of, if you're talking about the semi-finals, we are the four, four of four, which means that um, we're going to get the, the short end of the stick about it. It should be okay, though. It would be my, my gut feeling, you know, it's not like January. I don't think that, you know, I think they'll be able to kind of turn that around a wee bit more. They've not then had to deal with a lot of kind of rain. So um, hopefully it's okay. I, I wouldn't, I don't think that we would should get into the, the position where we're changing our style to even to an extent because of the surface. Yeah. We'll just need to, we'll just need to play with what we've got to play with, you know. Um, so fingers crossed that it's, it's, it's not too bad. We know how we're going to play. We know how they're going to play now. They have a very set, you know, all the, in inverted commas, plaudits that they were getting from, from the last game and, you know, t- people talking about how outrageously great Beal was and how he's kind of clawed it all back and all that. They they can't not be feeling pressure because if, you know, people, there's an expectation in our media that um, Michael Beal, even though I just beat him every time he's played him, or sorry, beat him the last time we played him, um, People are looking at that like that's a blueprint to beat Rangers, uh, to beat Celtic. Do you think that lad added pressure for them, Barry? I think so because I'm sure we've all enjoyed the the people that take screenshots of all the following. <laughs> put them Why do people threads. go on that fucking thing, man? I'm glad that they do because of. I know. I just mean. I mean, I, I mean, I mean the Rangers you? fans. Why would oh, you go on that? All right, okay. <laughs> just any of these, man. Yeah, but they're starting to question as well, aren't they? They're starting to say all the things that. He probably has learned a wee bit from before the final because he was in the media every day talking about who's going to do this, going to do that. So he has quietened down a wee bit, but you can even see in their comments they're saying, I wish he would bring it in a wee bit. Um, so you can see there's a, maybe a sort of small percentage that are really starting to doubt whether he's got it. Um, and that, that can play into our hands because if that's happening, I think they're... See, when I saw their team come out before the game a couple of weeks ago, it's the most attacking on paper team that I can remember them playing against us because I think no defensive minded player other than their back four was Ryan Jack. Yeah. Um but it didn't play out like that. So they had all these sort of playmakers we want to call them, um their wingers, their strikers, but it didn't create that much. So they're kinda of caught up between a rock and a hard place. They want to stop us from playing, but there's pressure from their fans um to really come on and try and take us on at football and if they do that I spoke earlier about Kyo getting in behind. That would be the prime opportunity for him to for us to do that. So it's hard, as you say. We know how we'll play. We know how they'll play. But it's I wouldn't like to be in their shoes of trying to sort of counter to take the game to us because we know that we are a better football team than them. Mm. Chris, what's your kind of thoughts on that kind of that idea that Bill knows how to play against Bill knows how he play against Ange, like uh, Van Bronckhorst as well. You and know, it's Ange's number, Ange's number, and all that. What's your thoughts? Um, I think I, I mean I don't think we really need to complicate it too much with Bill. He's basically going back to the Gerard days because it was him. It was, you know, he used to talk in hushed tones about his <laughs> tactical genius and all that sort of stuff. Um, and he's gone really back to that way where it's now they used to pay particular attention to Callum McGregor. I remember you know when they set up in the past because of that deficiency in terms of playing out from the back and. 
breaking the lines and all that, all, 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 all the patter, using the water patter, right? <laughs> double pivot and all that stuff. The double pivot, <laughs> and they went man for man the last time in in in, in the midfield um, and pushed up quite tightly in Jota, if I remember, to kind of right. to kind of try and um, kind of nullify that. But we still found a way around it, and the key thing about that is it completely blunted them as an attacking force because they were preoccupied with doing that, as yeah. Barry says. This is game's going to be a bit different, I would assume. Well, the expect you'd think it would be different because it's a semi-final on a neutral ground. You think there would be a more of a, a, an intent to go for that, but I think his natural inclination will be to be a bit safer than that because I, I think they've seen what we did to Van Bronckhorst's side when they maybe tried to open up and play again. We tore them apart, and that's always going to be on their mind. So the phrase that Barry used, they're caught between a rock and a hard place, I genuinely think that's 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 gonna be in play on Sunday as well. So I think the prob I think Bill probably knows how to set up to stop us. But the problem that he's got if he does that is, you know, how potent they're gonna be at the other end. Now I've said this last week and I'll say it again. If they set up, you know, to stop us, long ball second ball, win that, they can score, then they shut up shop and it's really tight. It's all possible, but it's it's a punt either way. I, I don't think they've got a clear idea what they can do to stop us. Yeah. Stylistically, So it'll be interesting to see what they do, um, but he certainly doesn't have the manager's number because that'll work. That might work on any given day, as I've said, but that doesn't mean that it would continue to work going forward. Whereas it did, to an extent, you know, under Rodgers towards the end. I think, what's that phrase about, um, have you changed the, have they known all the answers, we changed the question? Oh, the paper. Yeah, I think that's what, what's happened, what happened, because, particularly at this sort of, as you said, the, the end of the Rodgers era, they were getting a bit of joy, <coughs> and then that kind of carried into the, the Lennon era, and we, we spoke a few weeks ago about how we got away with one, in the, the League Cup where Julian scored in the final. Yeah. But this Celtic team, it almost feels like it's been a a sort of, it's been our sort of main goal this season to work on breaking down teams that sit in. Um, yeah. And we have found a way largely to do that because most weeks we set up against that. So they're basically relying on tactics from four years ago that worked because we didn't have a manager who tried to outthink other managers it was just a case of we've got the best players just go out and get as many technicians on the pitch for that phrase whereas Ange is constantly working on ways to overcome yeah. barriers there so I hope it's the case again but also with the caveat that it might work on a one a one-off basis um Every time you think you've got the answers, we change the questions. Um, Brian McManus, our good friend Brian McManus, was at the International uh, Celtic Coaches uh, Convention, and um, he gave us some kind of some feedback on some stuff. And we're probably going to do an episode on that with uh, with Brian and kind of uh, talk through a lot of it. But um, he, I, he, I was talking to him earlier in the week, and he was talking about the uh, the kind of. Gro- growth mindset and all that part. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, he's, he's yeah, he's a he's a crypto bro now. Um, no, but um, he was talking about John Kennedy gave a talk, um, and um, Brian was just saying um, he's really brilliant. Um, he, he was talking about implementing tactics, and he said they focus more on style and philosophy. But this was against Kamarnock. This is just after the Kamarnock game. But they make tweaks in games. Against Kilmarnock, they had Cal McGregor and Awata playing closer together because they knew Kilmarnock would try to mark, man-mark the six. So they had two sixes, and Kelly didn't know who to mark. 
we tweaks like that. Yeah. And that's what you that brought back to what you were saying about how they'll go after McGregor. Maybe they will go after McGregor, but that, that's not to say that McGregor's gonna be in the sixth position. This is the whole thing about, you know, we tweaks and kind of interesting points of view. That was the point I, I I was kinda alluding to because when they went for McGregor they kinda took the beat the beaten heart of our team away in you know in the midfield because at that time we didn't have a midfield like we've got just now. You sit on McGregor, Awata can play football, exactly. Tati can play football. Um and O'Reilly was talking about how he had benefited from that tweak. And I think that's another reason why, you know, it worked under Lennon and at the tail end of the Rodgers era because because of the personnel we had. The minute you sat in him and you nullified him, it became really difficult for us to get forward. Different team now. Absolutely. Uh, just to kind of finish on that, I also think that it's become a sort of buzzword, but we finally do have a manager who fully believes in his own principles and his own philosophy for whatever. Whereas Rodgers had that to an extent, but I don't think he was all in on it the way that Ange is. So this is something that Ange has been building at a number of clubs for a number of years. Um, and as those tweaks that he's constantly evolving, because remember there was talk um, that we were worried he would be just like a, a sort of one-trick pony where the, it would be very much flood the midfield with inverted fullbacks. But he's, a, he's evolving as a manager at Celtic as well. So it just comes back to that point that We've been very good for Ange, just as he's been very good for us, yeah, I think. Absolutely. Uh, the game, Sunday, it's 1.30pm kick-off. Uh, three of us will definitely be there. Yes. Um, God spares us. Yes, <laughs> we will. <laughs> uh, we'll have a, a reaction um, dropping straight after the game, recorded from Chris Bout's house, probably. Um, so the reaction will happen straight after the game. We'll have a preview on Saturday, um, looking at all the press conference stuff and discussing all the tactical elements of it. And tomorrow we'll have the lunch club at myself, Paul and uh, Alan. Again, we'll be talking about the game. Looking forward to the weekend covering any news uh, final question uh, comes from Chris with the semi-final and the Planks coronation on the horizon seems a good time to ask the question would you rather smash one of them or smash a royal Oft. Sophie's choice <laughs> <laughs> um, actually see it with the new government legislation we could probably go to jail for this so we're getting taken to the tower to... <laughs> no comment, I suppose is what they say. I, I'll, uh, I'll refer that one to, to, to my brief. That's, uh, that's what they call lawyers in EastEnders. Aye, so. brief, aye. Also Carl's. Talk to my brief. And it's also a ticket as well. Yeah, you got your brief for Sunday. There we go, great stuff. Barry, you want to answer it? I'll probably speak to my brief as well. This isn't behind the paywall. I'll go with... I'll take advice from my lord also. Um, no, I'd, I'd smash them every day of the week. Uh, <laughs> great stuff. Listen, this has been fantastic as always. The game on Sunday kind of can't come quick enough. The nerves are starting to build, build a little bit. But as we say, we got um, lots of uh, coverage at the cynic.co. Daily Celtic content will be covering the game in a big way, so check us out. Uh, but we're back every uh, Thursday uh, on the um, Cynic Weekly. Barry Gallagher, joy as always, sir. Magic, thanks, mate. Really enjoyed it tonight. Christopher Samani. Terrific magic, thank you. Great stuff. From Christopher Samani, from Barry Gallagher, from myself, Chris Gallagher, this has been the Cynic Weekly. Check out thecynic.co for all your Celtic podcast needs, and we'll speak to you down the road.